Welcome to On San Francisco, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm columnist Heather Knight, and I'm joined by San Francisco Mayor Mark Farrell, who has just a few weeks left in Room 200. We covered a lot of hot topics, including the results of his homeless tent clearing, why the city seems to look the other way at injection drug use, and why he wouldn't support a good friend or family member buying a condo in the Hunters Point shipyard. Keep listening for some questions from Chronicle readers and a lightning round where Mayor Farrell divulged where he goes for a good burrito and a stiff drink. Great. Well, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me. First, we have some serious questions. You've been the mayor of San Francisco for 16 weeks, and the new mayor will be chosen in just three weeks. In your short time in Room 200, what would you say has been the biggest surprise? You know, coming into office uh, as mayor, I would obviously spent over a little over seven years on the board of supervisors. And so the day-to-day wasn't uh, anything big surprise, wasn't anything new. I had, you know, had the fortune to work very closely with Mayor Lee and, and was able to see up front his, his day-to-day and, and, and his work. I think the, the biggest surprise really has been the impact um, that you're able to have as mm-hmm. mayor. Much more um, so than supervisor. Obviously much more so, but it's also one of those things, I liken it to the first time you have a child Mm-hmm. You can talk about that it's going to be sleepless nights, but until you experience it yourself, <laughs> you don't really realize how much how little sleep you do get. And, and until you sit in the mayor's seat, I think it's really difficult to um, conceptualize how much of an impact you really can have, um, and obviously in, in a positive way. And I, I mean that very sincerely. And so it's um, it's been an incredible experience, and um, you know, and realizing also the the things that we're putting in place and the policies that we've. Um, supported and promoted and and a lot of the budget um, that we're putting together right now are going to have a lasting impact on the city for years to come. And are you having sleepless nights as mayor? Haven't had one yet. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, You promised to never run for office again after finishing as interim mayor, but you also seem to be working hard to burnish your legacy. What are the odds you'll run again for mayor in 2019 or for any other political office? I guess the answer is you never say never, but it's simply not part of my plans mm-hmm. uh, right now. Again, as I've told everybody, we, uh, my wife and I have three amazing young children, and that's our focus um, and, and always will be. What uh, does your wife say about another run? Again, we haven't really mm-hmm. talked about it. Okay. It's, it's, you know, what we have done is, as a family, and we've really approached this as a family, is that this is basically six months. And so let's work hard. Um, take it obviously very seriously. Certainly as someone who was born and raised in San Francisco, it's an incredible honor uh, to be able to do this, um, but also make the most of it with our children and really own it for the half year that we're doing it. I think part of the enjoyment of that is also realizing that it is a half year and you can yeah. really put that amount of energy and, and really put your, your pedal to the, to the metal, mm-hmm. if you will, in terms of policies and being active with the job, knowing that, you know, in a number of weeks, and about eight weeks from tomorrow, um, we'll be able to go on vacation as a family. Um, <laughs> right. that, that's long overdue. And this is a very quick but frustrating question. Why is San Francisco so filthy? Well, first of all, I share that concern and the sentiment behind that question. I think it's been years of, you know, not a, a deep commitment towards cleaning our streets. Um, it, it isn't something that happened overnight. Uh, you know, people have made a lot about the, the needle pickups and so forth. The needle exchange program that we have right now has been going on since the early 90s. Mm-hmm. It's really just in recent years with the opioid crisis on our streets and um, that we've really seen an explosion of, of needles that everyday residents see and step on, myself included. Um, 
so it's really been the culmination of a lot of things. And, and I think one of the, I will say that one of the main three topics that I talked about my first week in office with the, even with the Chronicle Ed Board was around street cleaning and needle pickups and, you know, very... Um, but even beyond needles, there's mm-hmm. just so much trash and just junk everywhere. Do you think that San Franciscans have lost their sense of civic pride or is this strictly a homeless problem or how do you view it? Oh, I think it's all of the above. Mm-hmm. Um, look, absolutely. I mean, if we had residents, you know, with the pride that you talked about, we wouldn't have as much trash on our streets. Um, the needles um, and, and defecation and, and things like that, that's, that's a drug abuse issue. That's a homeless issue. You know, so it crosses a lot of different uh, topic areas, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it has a lot to do with everything. But um, I am actually very confident that a lot of the measures that we've been putting in place, uh, that I've put in place as mayor, are going to have a lasting effect cleaning up our streets. Um, you directed the clearing of 10 encampments in the mission recently. Um, did you track how many people living in those encampments were affected <clears throat> and what happened to them? Um, what I will say is that before we um, cleared the encampments in the mission, our homeless department had been in the mission for months, truly working with all the individuals that were there, um, offered them multiple times the ability to come to shelter and housing, offer them services. Again, at a certain point, and certainly I will say this as mayor of the city of San Francisco, we have gone from a point of compassion to enabling street behavior, and I do not believe in that. Um, our, the streets and our sidewalks should belong to every single San Francisco resident. Um, and just because someone desires to sleep in a tent forever on our streets does not mean the city should allow that. Um, and so, you know, we did that with, uh, you know, months of background work in the area, but also from my point of view, a clear direction to say, we need to make the streets for everybody and the sidewalks for everybody. And there's no reason, you know, kids on the way to school need to step over tents or, or people on the way to work. It just shouldn't be part of the permanent landscape of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've, we saw how many people took shelter and housing off of, you know, the, the latest encampment resolution, but we're continuing to monitor the area to make sure that this isn't an effort in vain. We want to make sure these 10 encampments don't come back en masse. And look, you, you can't say there won't ever be a 10 encampment or a small group of them, but what we can say as a city, we're going to make sure that we resolve them as quick as possible right after. And is the success to you keeping the sidewalk clear, or are you also tracking what happened to the people in the tents? Both. And um, so what's the answer on the latter? So we're doing less tracking to your, to your question directly. We're doing less tracking of, of where they are. Um, what we're really focused on, the main point is, is the sidewalks. And making sure, though, that before we take an encampment away, that we are offering people shelter and housing and services. Mm-hmm. And I think a large part of the tension here is some people in San Francisco don't want to admit that at the end of the day, you can go time and time again to these tenant encampments and offer shelter and services and housing. At the end of the day, there is a service-resistant population remaining right. that simply wants to be there. Um, some advocates would, would say that that population doesn't exist, and I completely disagree. And so at the end of the day, those individuals have to know that they are not allowed to continue to be on our streets. Will you make any similar directives in your last few weeks in office? Any more encampments? So uh, we've been working to make sure that the mission doesn't have, as I mentioned, a, um, a repopulation of the 10 encampments. Mm-hmm. And, you know, any given night, a number of them come back and we, and we work to resolve them as well quickly. Um, but absolutely, the intent is to move on and to do, you know, as many as we can. 
um, of the tenant cayman areas that are the real hotspots in San Francisco. You know, one of the things that I did as mayor, first week in office, um, our Healthy Streets Operations Center, this is a program that Mayor Lee piloted um, that I greenlit fully in January, where we finally, believe it or not, for the first time, have our police department in the same room as our health department, as our homeless department, as our Department of Public Works, talking about and working on these major encampment areas. We never did that before. What other neighborhoods might you look at in your last few weeks in office in terms of clearing additional encampments? Have you thought of that? Yeah, I mean, look, there are a number of different hotspots, right? I mean, you think about Market and Castro is one of them in particular. That's obviously been a hotspot. Um, Mission was one, Showplace Square. So um, we're going to continue to look at them and make sure that, you know, real-time data, though, mm-hmm. what's on the ground um, and what we see. But I want to make sure that as mayor, I'm not only actively doing my job as mayor, but that also we're setting the tone for the future. And look, the next mayor can continue it or discontinue it. That's, that's, a, that's their prerogative. Um, but I want to make sure that during my time as mayor, we're doing what I believe is right for the city of San Francisco. Why does the city look the other way when people are openly injecting drugs in broad daylight on our sidewalks, even within view of City Hall? And why do we look the other way at blatant drug dealing happening near the Civic Center, BART Station, and other similar areas? Understand the question. It's, it's wrong to say that we look the other way. Um, we have um, you know, a, a massive um, amount of police officers and Department of Public Health officials working on the issue. Um, but to the sentiment, again, of the question, I don't believe it's we've been doing enough. It's, we're um, announcing our police hiring plan right now. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, we'll have 250 more officers on the streets of San Francisco over the next few years. I've said it from the beginning, we, we have amazing men and women in our police department. We just don't have enough of them on the streets to, to keep us safe. And, and part of that is having enough officers in these areas that you're talking about, specifically around Civic Center, BART, um, and many other areas that you see this open drug abuse. Um, and it's awful. Uh, you know, San Francisco residents shouldn't be subjected to it. And it's not something we want to tolerate on the streets. What should happen to those people who are drug dealing or injecting drugs on our sidewalks? Part of the frustration is we have an opioid crisis in our country right now. Um, it is hitting the streets of San Francisco. We see people, you know, literally strung out on our streets every single day. The Trump administration is abandoning cities, not giving us any resources to deal with it at all, although acknowledging there is a crisis on our streets. So what we've been looking at is what programs can we do differently? Mm-hmm. Um, what can we do better? Um, even if we, in San, true San Francisco fashion, become first in the country to, to treat this issue. Um, so been working very close with our Department of Public Health, and then the next few weeks uh, we'll be coming up with um, a, a number of other um, initiatives to combat that issue specifically. Are you talking about safe injection sites or something else? We're looking at a wide, a wide variety of options. You know, safe injection sites is something I fully support. Um, you know, we've been exploring it um, since I've been in office. I know it's been t- it was talked about, Mayor Lee was talking about it certainly for a while. Um, there are significant legal issues with it, and we're working through those legal issues right now. The public health department said in January that one or two sites would open in July, but they've kind of seemed to have backed off on that a little bit. What is the status of those safe injection sites and when are they going to open? It's really looking at these legal issues. Um, both, you know, working with our city attorney's office, which we're doing frequently, and um, working with our state and federal partners to, to understand the legal ramifications here. Um, I wish it was easy as snapping our fingers to say, let's just get the, the right people, the space, and the funding to do it. It's a lot deeper than that. Uh, everyone in San Francisco is committed to it. From a policy perspective, we need to work this out. 
is, do you think that they'll open this year or what is the time frame? I, it'd, it'd be malpractice for me to give you a, a time frame. Obviously, that's my hope. I yeah. believe it's everyone's hope, uh, but we need to do it right. Okay. Um, what do you think of the Hunters Point shipyard scandal in which the company paid to clean the soil there was found to have falsified its data? And if a family member or good friend of yours wanted to buy a condo at the shipyard, would you support that? No. You would not? Not right now. No, it's, it's awful. You know, we see the reports and, and, and the whistleblower that came forward. Um, you know, yesterday sent a letter, as did Leader Pelosi, uh, to our federal government asking for retesting, asking specifically, I wanted to make sure we asked that Tetra, Tetra Tech, the company that was fraudulently found to be, um, you know, doing the soil samples, that someone else besides them retest the soil. We really need to start to get independent third parties there. Like it's a frustration, right? This is a federal government-run process, um, and we have limited jurisdiction or oversight as a city of San Francisco, uh, except for the fact that these are our residents, and so we care deeply, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to stand up for them as we, as we have, and Mayor Lee did. And some um, of them are already living on Parcel A. Does that worry you? Sure, it worries me. Of course it does. Um, but I want to make sure our federal government acts quickly, and there isn't this bureaucracy and kind of, you know, battling between the Navy and the EPA. Let's just get results. I mean, I, I think, you know, from my point of view as mayor of the city, and that's one of the things that I, I know that mayors are tasked with and, and what we do, let's just get results. I don't, I don't care about bureaucracy at the federal level. I, let's just get results for our residents, and that's what I want. Great. I also opened up um, <coughs> the opportunity for some followers on Twitter to weigh in with questions for you. Great. So um, Green Apple Bookstore, which is one of my favorite shops in San Francisco, asked, what should the next mayor do to support brick-and-mortar independent small businesses in San Francisco against the onslaught of Amazon and its drain on our local economy? Yeah, that's a great question. Look, our commercial corridors are changing, you know, um, and I don't care if it's Chestnut or Clement or Terravel or uh, Castro, you know, our commercial corridors are a changing landscape. And one of the things that I did uh, during my last year in office as supervisor work with our Office of Economic and Workforce Development to do a retail study that really started to change our thinking about what's working and what's not. Um, and every commercial corridor is different, what the character of it and the vitality of it, that's the beauty of San Francisco is our different neighborhoods. And so we, there's no one-size-fits-all approach. But we need to start thinking about zoning. We need to think, think about how we make sure our sidewalks are activated um, and people are coming to these commercial corridors um, to make sure that we visit the the retailers and the legacy businesses that we've talked about for the last few years that are really part of the heart and soul of our city. A reader named Daniel Paraga asked, how can we make San Francisco a kid-friendly city to live and not just to visit? Boy, great question, Daniel, and, <laughs> and something obviously very near and dear to my heart, you know, raising, having been raised in San Francisco and incredibly fond memories of that, but specifically raising our three children. Um, it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, the housing costs are through the roof. Um, Everything else seems to be through the roof as well mm -hmm. from a cost perspective. The one thing I think San Francisco, our government can do, aside from the longer-term housing policies that are absolutely important and very critical part of this, and our school system, making sure that we have a great public school system, um, what I focus on are programs and policies that can have an impact on, on families' everyday lives. So the Shared Schoolyard Project that I started my first year in office, where we're now at over 50 schoolyards in San Francisco in every single neighborhood, Saturdays and Sundays, forever open. Um, so that families and kids can play uh, in the schoolyards and just make use of every ounce of open space possible. That is critically important. That program is, you know, it's been my baby since day one. And it's great because it was, it, it was never a political 
program, it was always just about families and the success that we've had and success meaning that how families are using it neighborhood by neighborhood and coming back and showing, emailing me pictures or texting me pictures saying, thanks, we're playing with my other six kids or there's a soccer league that started the schoolyard on Saturdays. I mean, that's an impact you can have. Can you make cable car rides cheaper for kids? I wrote about that. I, I, I saw your article. <laughs> uh, I think that's a great idea. Well, actually, okay. we'll talk about it with the MTA. Um, and a reader named Alex Reese had a question about the venture capital firm you intend to return to <clears> when you're <throat> done in room 200. Mm-hmm. He asked, what ethical walls have you put in place to ensure no conflicts exist with the firm? And were those walls in place when you were a supervisor? That's a great question. Look, when I was a supervisor, you're allowed to have um, second employment, obviously very wary, always have been, and um, very careful around financial conflicts of interest and work very closely with our city attorney on that for years. Um, and as mayor, there's been a wall up that I simply cannot be involved. So from day one, um, having been involved in the firm, um, really haven't even barely said hi to my, my, my partners in the firm. And so, you know, in a few months, I'll be able to do that. Um, but, in, but until then, I've been heads down, focused on being the mayor of San Francisco and nothing else. And so, um, when do you see yourself returning to Thayer Ventures? Sometime after um, leaving office. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's been a part of my life for a long time. But for the past number of months, it hasn't been at all. Um, and it won't be until the day I leave office. And that's just the way it's going to be. Um, and we've been very clear about that, both in the office here, uh, both of my partners. And, and um, so, you know, ha- have not been involved. And, but, you know, at some point we'll return. Okay. And now we're to the lightning round. Okay. <laughs> the fun part of the podcast, which has tripped up other people. So. Uh-oh. <laughs> i got to be careful. Um, <clears throat> we asked all the mayoral candidates in previous episodes to name their favorite burrito joint in this city, and only half of them could come up with an answer. What is yours? Mm. <laughs> Growing up, I always ate with my parents at Pancho Villa, but I have to say, without a doubt, with my friends growing up and with my children now, it's Gordo's. Okay. Without question. Uh, what is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? The Rock. That's a good one. What's your favorite place to go for a stiff drink? I imagine you need a lot of those these days. <laughs> Great question. <laughs> um, if I have to go for a beer, not necessarily a stiff drink, I go to the Horseshoe. Mm-hmm. And you're a San Francisco native. What is the biggest change in the city since you were a kid? The amount of people that are living and working in our city. You know, when I grew up, the population was around 725,000 people. I heard yesterday that we think it's around 885,000 people. And you feel it every single day. When the new mayor is sworn in on or around July 10th, what is the first thing you'll do to mark the end of your tenure as mayor? Um, I'll be on vacation with my wife and kids. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was fun to talk to you. Thanks for having me. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is San Francisco by Gazprom, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. The show is produced by Dominic Fercasa and Fernando Diaz. For more City Hall coverage, you can follow Dominic on Twitter at Dominic Fercasa and me at HNightSF. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. <laughs>